Welcome to Leader Spotlight. On this podcast, we bring you the stories of leaders, their personal journeys, and put a spotlight on the inspiring things they are doing in their organizations. Hello, everyone. I'm Annette Klazowski, your host. I'm an executive coach, a speaker, a peer advisory board leader, a sports junkie, really kind of all things health and fitness, and of course, an animal lover. And I also have the privilege of working alongside my sidekick, Annie Brown. And I like to call Annie the marketing and social media guru and really kind of all things creative and clever. So Annie, how are you today? I am excellent. Uh, feeling feeling extra creative and clever. So I'm ready to live up to that title today. I was going to say, do you feel some pressure to be clever and witty when I do that? <laughs> I actually do. It's like, oh man, that's right. That's right. I've got to, I got to turn those nozzles on. That's right. Well, today it's going to make you happy because we did an interview with a data science expert. And I know it's going to make you happy because it's geeky. It's about data science and technology. And that's right up your alley. So and I know every, every one of our listeners is going to find this. Interesting because it talks about how to create citizen data scientists in your organization. So we're very lucky to have had time with Mark Mance, and uh, I'll be excited to have everybody listen. Yeah, and as I recall, you're a bit of a, a data nerd yourself, writing a few articles for Forbes on AI and you know how to best use data. So I'm sure I'm sure you kept him on his toes. Well, I'm I, I'm a wannabe. <laughs> I, I, it's like, you know, the people that can talk a good game, but then they turn around and they're like, oh yeah, I'm not exactly able to walk that yet. That's why me, but. Well, that's kind of, that's everybody in AI, so. (laughs) And it's going to be very informative. So I think let's just get right to it. Okay. Let's play the interview. All right. Well, welcome, Mark. We're so glad that you're here with us. Uh, Mark is the Chief Data Officer for American Fidelity Corporation. And we're going to talk a lot of things data, but specifically about the importance of citizen data scientists and just how you create those within an organization, why it's important, and kind of where data is going. So welcome. Thank you for being here. Glad to be here, Annette. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. So um, I feel like I have the expert of experts here, so I'm very excited that you took the time to, to speak with us. And um, so go back to when you first heard about citizen data scientists, because okay. I know that's kind of a buzzword now, but... You were there before it was a buzzword. Uh, <laughs> yes, it, is, it seems to be a very um, new buzzword, uh, but it's getting a lot of attention. Uh, but I, I can go back in the time machine back to about 2012, and uh, I was in a meeting um, um, of some CDOs, and there were very few CDOs in the wild at that time. Uh, there was a couple of universities that were tracking how many of them they were. Um, we were working with a group to come up with a longitudinal study of what a CDO is and what do they do even, what do they mm-hmm. focus on. And uh, we were in a meeting, and um, there were, t- you know, all of the big, you know, names in the industry at that time were in there. And uh, I don't want to throw the names around, but, I mean, it's it's just the history of uh, the chief data officer development of that of that C-suite um, position. And there were, there were about 15 of us in this room. And as many of those meetings went, a lot of the, of the focus was on data governance, data governance, data governance, uh, you know, using data defensively, using data for compliance purposes mm-hmm. and, and protecting it, which I will not, you know, degrade in any way, shape, or form. It's extremely important, and we have to have that. 
but one of the things that I kept bringing to the table that, you know, all of that was great and all of that was wonderful, but we were missing a big piece of the pie, and that is where is the value? What is the value side of the equation? What are we going to do with this? How is it going to provide value for the organization? How is it going to provide value for a business uh, other than just being, you know, something that is a compliance mandate? Mm -hmm. And in, in, as we were discussing that, um, what I said is, you know, we've got a ton of people in our businesses that are extremely talented. They're talented in sales. They're talented in finance. They're talented, you know, in, in the insurance arena. They're talented in the, in the financials or in medical. Whatever it may be, we have a ton of really talented people. And if we could just somehow turn them into citizen data scientists, if we could just give them some skills um, with data, uh, make them just really embrace the concept that data is important. Data is the difference maker. Data helps you clarify those decisions. If we could just get them that and get them some tools and, and give them the ability to actually use data as they do their daily functions, it would basically give them, you know, like superhuman powers within an organization. And I, and I still believe that today. I still believe that that, that that can be a difference maker. You know, people like to, or organizations like to think that, hey, we need to go out and get some data people. Well, and there's nothing wrong with that. We need data people. We have to have data people. But how much better is it when you have people that are strong in data, and then you have people that are strong in the business, and then you have people that are strong both with data and, and in the, the business. business? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's huge. I think the potential's massive. Yeah, because anytime you bring a consultant, whether it's a data scientist in, they have to learn your business. So the learning curve is, you know, steep versus somebody that is integral in your business that have those data skills. So so that's that's great. And we, we are now we're in 2020. And Absolutely. so really, if you're not talking data or creating citizen data scientists in your organizations, you're really behind now at this point. Because, you know, as we know, technology and these types of skills, they go really fast. So talk a little bit about just, let, let's define citizen data scientist. Okay. There, there are many different definitions that I've seen out there. I like to think about it as kind of what I said earlier. It's a person within your organization who not only is an expert within their chosen field of expertise or focus, but also brings to the table a strong cadre of data and data science skills. Uh, these skills can be learned secondarily to, you know, their core skills. Um, you know, and the question I always ask people, is it easier to teach a data person your business or is it easier to teach a business person some of the data pieces? And I, I think the answer to that can go both ways. Mm -hmm. And really, I think, quite frankly, it doesn't matter how you get there from either mm -hmm. direction. But I think the important thing is, is you have that blending. You have the strong data skills. You, you have somebody who understands the importance of, of putting the, the data together in the appropriate ways. Uh, you have somebody that understands how to visualize that data to tell a story. Um, you have somebody that, that takes that and actually applies that to their business uh, from an expert's point of view. And I think, again, that, that that's, that's what makes the difference. Yeah. That, that is what yeah. sets it apart. Well, and I think being able to teach it to your employees, your team members, allows organizations that can't afford to bring data scientists on board. You can, Absolutely. You can do that. And then you said something that's really key is the visualizing the data into a story. And I think that's the difference maker for people. So I know you know at Future Point of mm -hmm. View what we do and that we we teach these things, citizen Absolutely. data science skills. So if, if there's somebody, let's talk to the, the person 
that's sitting out there that would wants to harness some skills? Where do you point a person if they're going to take it upon themselves to have initiative to create data science skills? Well, I, there are, of course, various and sundry resources that they can get to in today's world on the Internet. Um, I would actually point a lot of people to an organization such as yourself, FPOB. Mm-hmm. Hey, go enlist in a program. Spend a little bit of time investing in yourself to make that difference. Um, you can enhance that by tons of resources that are available online. Um, you know, I would encourage them to actually start a citizen data science, you know, um, academy at their organization or, or pull together loosely a group of people who are interested, you know, because mm-hmm. I think getting that multiplicity of people putting that energy together can help it develop. That's great. Yeah, that's a good idea. So, um, okay, so if there's, in an organization, I know you have lots of experience with a lot of different organizations. Talk about where you have seen organizations really harness citizen data science as mm-hmm. a key element of what they do or competence of what they do and, and kind of take us through, we had data, we weren't doing anything with data, and then how they kind of extrapolated out that data and, and what you saw just, just so people get an idea of, oh, okay, this is how this really helps us. You know, I think it can go from anything from the simplest, most common functions to the very exotic. And and I'll try and put a couple of those, you know, into context for Did you. Did you just use exotic with data? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> data can be very exotic. It's exotic. Okay. You All can right. do some really exotic things with the data that you have, you know, when it's brand new. Okay. And to your organization right. and transformational. Um uh, from the very common things, I mean, just actually taking financial reports that people are used to seeing in tabular form and putting them into a visualized dashboard where when it's good, it's bigger or green, and where it's bad, it's smaller or red. You know, being able to speak that visualization language with mm-hmm. that data and actually communicate that story through dashboards that are drillable mm-hmm. uh, instead of having things just in tabular paper form is massive. And that's a, just a common everyday impact that... You know, and, and that's somebody with, uh, with good financial skills can actually do with very simple tools. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can be transformational. It can give people, you know, instead of people looking at a sheet and thinking, I don't know what to pull out of this, now it jumps out of the page at them, the, the story that you're trying to tell or the message that's trying to be conveyed. Um, it can become, uh, it's very powerful. You know, and when we start speaking of the more exotic, as you, as you build those skills, you can start doing more and, and higher level analyses and analytics, um, looking for causation and correlation, you know, mm-hmm. and doing things like machine learning, uh, doing things like, um, you know, um, uh, time series analysis. You know, uh, mm-hmm. we can get very, like I said, exotic and do, uh, as you build those skills and do more and more with the data that we have and just build on it. And this is a key point of it is I think you have to build it iteratively. You can't just go in and try and eat the whole apple. you got to take it a bite at a time. Yeah. So you can start by, you know, getting an understanding of what data is important to your organization. You can move on from there and actually do some very um, uh, basic, you know, dashboard development um, of, of reports you currently have and make them stand out. Really focus on making those dashboards communicate the messages that you're trying to communicate with that data. Um, and you can move from there to actually saying what other things can we learn from this data. Let's let's put this in, you know, into some uh, m- machine learning algorithms and see what comes out as correlations. You know, mm-hmm. see if we can determine other causative factors that that apply. Let's add some more data to this. And it, it's a constant iterative experimentation that just builds on what was before, 
and you turn around and before you know it, you have tons of examples of things within your organization that are providing value. Um, you know, and and it, it may be as simple as um, you've been marketing a certain product a certain way, and if you add just one more piece of data to the equation, it changes kind of who your targets are. Mm-hmm. Or if you're trying to, um, if if you if your focus is doing analysis looking for fraudulent transactions, you know, one extra piece of data or one little um, a piece of information that uh, has correlation correlative value can actually send you down an entirely different path and take you, you know keep you from actually looking for the needle in the haystack and actually make the haystack a lot smaller. So uh, there's tons of of examples of value that you could bring to the table, you know, uh, that that are useful every day. Um, And and we can use to actually make our businesses better and really make our businesses, you know, maximize the performance that we're looking for from them. So do you, uh, what I hear a lot is, you know, organizations, they get, I'm going to say minimal data, but they have data. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't necessarily mean that everybody in that organization has access to that data. Mm-hmm. Um, you may have data, let's just take medical, for example. You know, when you register, when you do things, you know, in one part of a medical facility, uh, you you enter the data. You go to a different one, you're going to have to enter it again. You know, it, it's like a lot sure. of re-entering data. So talk a little bit about where organizations start with just understanding, um, like, where do you even start? Like, do you just gather what, do you, like, business processes of where data lives and what you're already doing? Do you, how do you kind of get that map of, oh, here's where we are? I think a critical piece of that is to always start with what you have. Let's step back and take a look at what we have. And, you know... And what you want from a data perspective is you don't want people to have data that don't have a business need for it, correct? Because mm-hmm. data is a liability as well as an asset. If, yeah. if you have data out there um, that people don't need to have, they don't need to have that. But conversely, the people that are doing the data and analytics and actually trying to improve the business, that's a business need to actually have that data. One of the things you can do is along that journey, you know, instruct them as part of your citizen data science curriculum what the rules are for dealing mm-hmm. with that data. Mm-hmm. Make sure they know the rules. Make sure they know the boundaries. You know, make sure that they have guide rails to keep them, you know, uh, using that data appropriately. But then we need to provide them access to it. You know, and this is where one of the cultural um, inhibitors to achieving success with data really kind of exists today within a lot of businesses. Um, is you have a lot of people that can bring a lot of value to the table, but they just don't have access to the data. They don't know it exists. Mm-hmm. They don't know uh, if they know it exists. They, you know, sometimes they're just not flat allowed to get to it, even though they have a verifiable, good business reason for trying to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then provided provide them with some basic tools, um, tools uh, visualization tools. Mm-hmm. Um, provide them with the the ability to. Um, to learn to maybe code in Python so they can do some more advanced things um, with building uh, analytics, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, these are some very simple, you know, easy to achieve fundamental things that make all the difference in the world. But it, it is a culture shift. You have to recognize the fact that that data does have valuable information and that they do have, you know, the eyes to see value in that data if we just let them. So it it, it it is that culture balance within the organization of how do we, you know, bring ourselves to the point to give them access and let them do their thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's good. That's good. And then um, you're a chief data officer. So 
you know, 2020 has not been um, the best of years mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, and companies are struggling. Uh, I know a lot of my clients are struggling. Like, I don't even know how to plan for next year. We don't know how to forecast. And everything they go back to is they're trying to look at data mm-hmm. and they don't know what to do with data because they don't have the citizen data. They're not visualizing it. So what what are things you would tell organizations or leaders um, in this time of where we are? What are things that they can do now that might help them just kind of learn to forecast differently or, or correlate? You know, I love the whole correlation. Well, you know, I think that everybody can tell stories better. Um, and, and so that is an important piece of the fact of the pie right there, okay? Um, if you're looking at data in tabular or Excel format today and you're looking at a bunch of numbers, start off by just taking that and trying to put, pull out the important pieces and put them into a dashboard, you know, where, where it has color, mm-hmm. to where it has size, to where if, if an, a certain account is supposed to be within a certain range, if it breaks out of that range, the larger it gets outside of that range, the bigger it becomes and mm-hmm. the color changes. Um, Number one, what that does is it starts to give you an eye for what's important. Once you start doing that as well, you can also start to see maybe little um, related correlations that you weren't seeing when you were just looking at grids of numbers on a paper, on a piece mm-hmm. of paper, or on a you know a tablet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can actually begin to iterate and say, I wonder what the difference would be if we incorporated this piece of data into that. And for example. Um, if you believe that um, that your cells are impacted by the rates of COVID, pull that data. You know you can get. Now we can argue all day long about which data to go get related <laughs> to COVID, but the important thing is 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 you have to go get data that you feel represents data that makes sense to you, mm-hmm. and you can build the case around how correct that is for your purposes. But then actually start applying an analytic, applying that data to your revenue and see if you can see a correlation or an impact, you know, mm-hmm. do it by county, do it by city, do it by state. However, you know, depending on the, the nature the geographic nature of your business, you know, that's something that could be very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, try and go out and get, you know, many times data scientists, you know, it, it's a, it seems like a very quote unquote sexy term. Um, but a lot of my pure data scientists complain that they spent most, spend most of their time trying to procure data, uh, otherwise find data sources, bring them in, mm-hmm. and then spend time transforming that data so they can get it into a format that's you know usable. Mm-hmm. And that's part of it as well. So um, if you don't have the data, there are places to go get it. So you know why not use this time as an opportunity to go out and start compiling that and building that resource? And then start applying it again, like I said, in very legitimate ways or very or ways that very common sense ways to your information and try and see what new insights you get. You know, and I love the word insight because generally that's what we find because you really don't know what you're looking for in many cases until you see it. Yeah. And you, you can take two and and I love um a term that FPOV uses a lot, which is a mashup. You know, you take a set of data that you're very comfortable with and you mash that up with another set of data. That, that comes from a different angle or but is related in some manner and you mash that stuff up and then voila you've got wow I never knew that this is, this looks interesting it looks like that when we do this our our revenues increase when we do or when we do this our revenues decrease yeah and yeah. we're not saying that that's the cause necessarily but we're saying that that gives you that insight to actually start digging 
yeah. and adding more data to the equation. Again, I go back to the word iterative. It's a very iterative process. You have to start with the basics and build on it. Yeah, yeah. Because just because you have the most revenue in one area doesn't make that mean that's the most profitable. No. Or you know that 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 is. If, if you start in that area, it branches off to people cross-selling across other products you have. I mean, there's there's a ways to really look at that that would help grow a business or scale your business. Absolutely. And um, that makes you rethink maybe strategy, mm-hmm. what you do. Are you missing something? Are you missing part of the market that you haven't sure. included you know, before? And, and th- one thing that I that you really talked about, which when we're doing planning strategy and planning, when you're trying to create that mission or vision so that the people you're leading are on board and everybody's kind of got the oars in the water, it's that clear line of sight. Mm -hmm. And when you as a leader can have that clear line of sight painted, it's amazing the productivity, you know, how people are empowered to do things, how innovative they become. And I think what you're doing and what we've seen with clients in data, with just data science, that really helps with those clear line of sight. So, you know, those those visuals stick with people. Absolutely. And they understand. You know, they understand that. Now, you know, let's say your job is to create 100 widgets a day. And they just stick you in a cubicle with a box of widget part A and widget part B. And, and they say you have to create a certain number of these a day. And you don't have a clock in there. And you don't ever at any given point in time know how many of them you've done, you know, because you, you lose track of it in your mind. Mm-hmm. Now, think of the difference that a person could be and how much better they would be doing that if they had a short, a small dashboard in there in front of them and it gave them a clock that gave them a countdown. And as they finished each one, they tossed it in a box and it counted it. Yeah. And so they've got yeah, immediate feedback. they can know what feedback. pace. I'm on pace. I'm off pace. I'm, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. immediate feedback. So they know where they're at. They yeah. can they can know, you know, I'm on pace or, man, I'm doing really good today. I'm going to get done early. So I can request another box and do more. Well, in organizations, too, you know, I've worked in kind of the area that I have focused in. Well, we try to do job profiling, Mm -hmm. which, and you have to go in, like, who's doing this well so that they can help train or make our process better? Well, then that provides data on who's doing things well, or they, they're doing, or you could even monitor different processes Absolutely. to see which, you know, what kind of result you get. So, um, so it does, it does get kind of fun when you can Absolutely. start looking at data like that. Okay. So now we, we've kind of talked about, um, you know, when you very first heard the term and kind mm-hmm. of where we are today. So let's just kind of go through philosophy of wh- where are things going? What do you see if we sit down in eight to 10 years, what do you think we're going to be talking about? Okay, we could talk a lot about this. Um, and, uh, See, I'll, you're smiling. Yes. You're like, this is where I like. This is, this is good stuff, you know. And I love it that we, you know, we've got this memorialized on the podcast. So maybe we can come back in eight to ten years and check it out. Oh, that would be it, great. See if it yeah. was good. Yeah, well, um, we'll do some, uh, some data science on that. <laughs> um, I want to step back, too, again. Let's get in the Wayback Machine. And back in the late 90s, early 2000s, I remember many, I would see many job ads or, you know, and at that point in time, I was even posting job ads or, or, you know, requests for uh, people to apply for jobs. And we would put in there, you know, um, Microsoft Office or Excel or PowerPoint skills. um, uh, um, Like as requested, you know. Yeah. um, And, you know. 
and I was looking at some job ads the other day, and I just noticed you don't see that anymore. It's just it's kind of the baseline. People expect you to have that. Yeah. That is what's going to happen with data skills. Right now, you're seeing people say data skills preferred. You know, prefer somebody with some 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 data acumen or experience within you know building data analytics. Um, and don't you think that's why people hire business analysts absolutely. in all different roles because of those skills, right? Absolutely. So that's like a hot thing where it's like, let's be, bring in a business analyst in marketing or someplace. So okay, absolutely. So you so you really think that. They won't even list that. Like, if you don't have those skills, you're going to get passed up. Yeah, 10 years from now, it's not going to be preferred. It's just going to be part of the deal, you know. And and um, I, I've spoken at several universities, you know, speaking to students. And invariably, one of the questions I get is, you know, what's, what's one thing I need to take out of here into the professional world? And generally, how I answer that question is you need to learn to speak another language. And I'm not talking about German, French, or Spanish. Mm-hmm. You need to learn how to code. Um, because, and I'm not talking you need to become a professional programmer, but you need to, at a very functional level, understand the basics of coding. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I tell them all the time, I don't care what language it is. It can be, you know, um, Python. It can be, you know, um, C, C++, Java. I really don't. It doesn't really matter. Um, but you just need that, that basics understanding of how logic programming, you know, works. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I truly believe that data skills and programming are both sitting in that bucket right now. Right now, they're preferred. Ten years from now, I think you're not even in the door. You can't even have the discussion. It's just going to be expected that those are on the table. It's probably like digital. You know, before, with those mm-hmm. were things that you want. people wanted you to have experience with applications and especially in marketing and they didn't necessarily teach that in school but that was something you had to acquire and then now it's just all shifted so if you're not really looking at those skills or understanding them you're kind of obsolete so yes okay and and number two is you know um for a long time now we've been talking about this thing called data and what it looks like over you know over time you know and and was looking back and, you know, we used to, in, in quote unquote, around 2015, we used to say, we're going to be talking about data in the exabytes mm-hmm. and, you know, by 2020. And, you know, absolutely we are. Um, where is data going, going to go between now and, and 10 years from now? I mean, it's going to go further than any quote, quote, quote bytes I know. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to far surpass, in my opinion, you know, we're going to keep, keep accumulating data. We're going to keep generating data. At, a, at an ever-increasing pace, and data is going to be the difference maker. Um, I think you're already starting to see, you know, you have digitally native companies who have been focused on data since birth, mm-hmm. and these generally are the leaders, um, especially in the tech sector. You're seeing some that, that, are, that are more digitally native starting to emerge as leaders in other sectors, and I think it is going to be the difference maker. Not only that we have a ton of data, but it's actually what you do with it. How do you capture it? How do you determine what is relevant? And then what do you, how do you apply it to your business to, to make it roll, you know, run? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and by run, I mean do a sprint. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's about driving that value quickly. And I, and I think that, the, you know, that as more and more businesses go, you know, into that route of capitalizing on this opportunity, then the more businesses that do not do that are putting themselves in jeopardy. And I think it crosses over because what what we're seeing, I spend a lot of time just in culture and leadership and strategy. Now, whatever we do for our company's strategy, 
it then moves over to our people strategy. So mm-hmm. it starts going over into HR. And so, you know, we really are in a space where we do a much better job at gathering data on customers. We journey map our customers. We understand m- much more around how we acquire that data, what we do. Absolutely. Now we're trying to do the data, digital data scientists, and we then we'll get, well, we know nothing about our employees. Mm-hmm. We don't gather. We don't know what they're learning. We don't know who sits where with what. We, I mean, we just, and I think, you know, it starts then going from the external use to the internal use, which I get excited about because I think that's where, when we can focus on our internal people, that's where the companies will then maximize. They're, people are our best Absolutely. asset, right? People are our best asset. Mm-hmm. You know, and another area I think this is going to impact is the other area that people talk about all the time, which is AI mm-hmm. and automation. Mm-hmm. Everybody understands that AI and automation are the way of the future at some level. Um, I don't, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that we're going to have, you know, um, an event horizon tomorrow and, you know, we're going to have an AI pass the Turing test and all of a sudden we've got cyborgs running around. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about using uh, AI to help us automate things within our business, give us, you know, uh, decision tools, to give us things that actually take away from things that are mainly manual today or things that are done based upon a lot of gut feel today, you mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. And what's going to drive that? In order, to, in order to actually have that on the table, you have to have the data. The data is what feeds those. And, and most organizations in the literature I read today are searching for this. They're, they're striving, they're developing, they're, they're building, you know, and uh, that constant pressure is going to continue to actually push that to the top. And, uh, and again, that's why I think that data is the critical piece of that pie and is going to continue to be, you know, as we move forward. Um, and, uh, and I do, don't think it's just all about the quantity of data. I think it's also highly about the quality of data, you know, and as people start to explore that, they start to hone it and they start to see what is the most important, what has the most value. And it's really going to become razor sharp while they do that. So, well, I also think there's, um, you know, when you when you talk about the honing of the data and going where you're finding, I think to people, um, when people understand the data or the correlations of data, they think differently about the role they're playing or the seat they sit in in your organization that gives you a higher level of intelligence. And so, I love that. You know, yes, you can send people out to get the training. But they have to come back in and still apply it to the business. So creating your own citizen data scientist, that just gets you ahead of the game. Absolutely. It just, it may, like, let's learn together on our, in our own lab, if you will, because Mm -hmm. we understand our business versus, and it's no different than any other learning. You can go out and get the learning, you got to come back and apply it and integrate it. So that's why I love the concept of just creating the citizen data scientist within your own organization. Absolutely. And I think it's invaluable um, uh, when you have somebody that really understands your organization and that starts to really embrace um, the truth that data can bring to the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I say it's like a superpower because because it becomes very powerful. Yeah. Um, it, it especially you know it's just the combining of those two things. You know, a, a very intimate knowledge of the business and an intimate knowledge of the truth that data can bring to it, and you combine those two, and it's it's huge. Yeah. You know, back, um, my business partner and I, when we were doing work with a utility company, uh, and we were doing culture work, and what the CEO said to us was, um, you know, 
what I need to know is why I have so many accidents and lawsuits at this one location. We do everything the same. So, you know, we do 360s on our leader. We do culture training. We, we onboard the same. We put our best managers into that environment. And we were at a conference table. We were spreading out all these sheets of paper because nothing was integrated and nothing talked. And in that industry, you know, you take assessments and do everything. They live in separate databases. So yeah. it's not like you can, you know, do anything for correlation. And the only thing that we, we found that was different across all locations was they had United Way campaigns. That location had the lowest percentage by a lot that gave, employee base that gave mm-hmm. to United Way. That was the only data point that was significantly lower. And mm-hmm. so if we would have walked in and said, we need to get everybody at that location to hire you know, United Way contribution, you probably would have laughed. Absolutely. And, but we took that data point... And we said, okay, well, let what do we what around that happens? Well, they were going out and doing um, community service together, and it brought different disciplines from across that organization together. So mm-hmm. we heightened training, we did things in that location, and those accident rates went way down over a three-year period. Absolutely. And they and they came back, and and the CEO was like, we have no idea why, except. They felt more like a team and of a family. They cared about each other. You know, the training we did had a different lens, but it was like this random data point that was on some report that we happened to look at. And so, you know, I think even finding those platforms or ways of where you pull data in, you know, and I know you could do spreadsheets and there's different things like that, but... Um, you know, that was chicken scratch and, you know, big long conference table to, to, do, to that. do that. Yeah. But, but, you know, again, save millions of dollars. Absolutely. I mean, and there's stories, you know, if you go out and search, uh, if you want anecdotes, I mean, there's tons of stories, you know, a, a large retailer, you know, was trying to do some analysis and, you know, about their recommendation engine. So if somebody purchased a certain item from their store, they were going to recommend a certain other thing. Um, well, um, if people would go in and, and purchase item A, they were always recommending one of several items. Well, they went in and did an analysis of their entire, all their their orders, all of the you know their items in relation to each other, um, what people liked, and what they found is that people that bought item A didn't want item B. They had a very low conversion rate, but item Z, which had nothing to do, not a thing to do with item A, uh-huh. had a high correlated value. And so they incorporated that rule, and, and their sales took off. Um, and there's no necessary rhyme or reason behind some of these. It's just it is what is. Yeah. And, and you're not going to know that until you actually see it. Yeah, to correlate the yeah. and connect it. Yeah. It's, well, it's I tell amazing. you what would be fun. I know we're out of time, but I tell you what would be fun is to come up with a case study, mm-hmm. and we could you know have people sign up to to do a, our podcast case study. Let them study, and then we would present it and go through with here's our situation, and then and I want to be like assistant chief data officer. That's like a far stretch. You can be a chief citizen data scientist. (laughs) Oh, that's what I want to be. Okay, (laughs) I got a chief title. That's what I'll do, and then we'll we'll walk through it, and so people can learn through a case study of what they do. Because I think when people again see the picture in their head, absolutely why it matters then it's like, oh, yeah, this could save money, create more sales, um, you know, conversion rates and things. I mean, they start then looking at their own business and saying, okay, this is how it would apply. So 
All right, any last words of wisdom? You know, um, I think when we talk about this, you know, it's just what we've talked about all during this. You know, data is here and it's here to stay. And it's in our all of our own best interest to become as skilled as we can with it. It doesn't mean we're going to be a PhD mathematician. Um, it doesn't mean we're going to, you know, invent the new neural network. Uh, but what it means is we're going to actually try our best to get access to data that would help us gain insight into our business, um, put some effort into developing some new skills, understanding what works when you talk about reporting data, understanding some skills for wrangling or preparing or getting data into shape to utilize it, uh, understanding some basic skills on how to, how to analyze it. It's just really, you know, it's one of those things that once you get a little bit of interest and if you put a little bit of effort into it, it it's going to pay huge dividends. So yeah. I would just encourage everybody, you know, data is here. It's here to stay. And, you know, let's just uh, use it to the best of our ability to make our businesses as good as possible. Well, thank you. We really appreciate it. And we'll put resources in the link of uh, going to look at what are the future point of view citizen data science program looks like. Um, and then you can also look out on the web. There'll be lots of resources. So we thank you for joining us today. Hey, all Annie here. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leaders Spotlight. Make sure to visit our website, AnnetteKlozowski.com forward slash Leaders Spotlight, where you can find resources mentioned on this show, as well as past episodes. Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can also follow us on Instagram at Leaders Spotlight.